Welcome to another episode of Dividend Talk. Today, we have Dividend Dane as our special guest, and we will have a conversation about real estate investment trust and all what's going on right now. Oh, and in case you are wondering, Engineer My Freedom is getting drunk this weekend. I think he deserves it after 66 sh uh, shows being in a bromance with me. But I'm really happy that Dividend Dane has been uh, willing to join us today. So having said that, see you all in the inside. Hey, Dividend Dane, welcome back to the show. How have you been? I've been fine, your PTNDI. Hope you're, you're doing well. Definitely, definitely. It's been a busy week for me. Um, I heard you also a bit uh, talking about your work. So um, I hope, how um, I said, we can uh, have some more fun now talking about dividend stocks and dividend investing. So. Exactly. Um, People that don't know you yet, we call you Mr. Real Estate Investment Trust because we all know that you have a strong passion for this. So I'm really glad that we can also talk a bit more about Real Estate Investment Trust here. I can um, definitely say that EMF and myself are not the strongest on this topic because we are deep with our heads into consumer staples. So I'm really looking forward uh, for this. Well, having said that, I think people know you from earlier shows. So why don't we just go straight away to the news on the news of the week? Is there anything that has uh, caught your attention this week? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me, the, the most important news of the week is energy prices uh, going through the roof everywhere. Um, not just uh, in in England. That's been that have run out of gas quite. <laughs> quite recently, um, but everything is like coal is uh, record highs. Um, we have oil back at, at 2016 levels, uh, everything, gas prices. So it's gonna be a, not only a cold winter, but an expensive one for everyone here in, in Europe, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really, um, I said, <laughs> impressed by what's happening around, uh, regarding this right now in the world, I mean, I remember last year when I was deep in oil and I'm still having a lot of energy. I got bashed a lot on the social media for being so uh, sticking to oil and actually bullish on oil. I mean, of course, it's easy to say now um, uh, because now prices are high. They can easily be in a few months again, uh, half of this. But this is just this is the boom and bust cycle of, of what we know about oil and gas. And um that's why it's usually not clever to buy uh, to sell it at the bottom and to buy it at this because uh, the yields are, are i said the pe's are always inverted right now pe's are low and it's actually a time you shouldn't probably buy them anymore well you know when the pe's are highs are the time to to buy for this and um i mean there's so many so much crazy stuff going on in the world right now i mean we have the whole uh, supply chain issue that we have um we we have just like you know there was there's been such a large underinvestment in oil and gas assets over the last five years because what we are facing now is not uh, a response from last year we are now facing the pain we are taking from the underinvestment since 2016 by all the big oil and gas companies slashing their uh, capex their investments that's what we're suffering now from yeah 
Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I heard that not only is um, right now they are some of the OPEC countries are actually in the middle of, of doing some a lot of work on, on their oil fields. So they, they can't just ramp up production to to uh, so 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 demand will outpace supply for for quite a while. And yeah, uh, yeah so it's the opposite of, of, of like like you mentioned, you, you bought Rio Tinto at a like iron ore prices has been cut in half in, yeah. in, in a short time, and the reverse happened to oil. So yeah. interesting times we live in, and, and it's really crazy right now. And uh, with all of this, so it just tells us again how you need to how important it is to have a portfolio that is a bit diversified across sectors. Because, for instance, the, the stock markets have been going down in September, but my portfolio was going up because of my position in oil and gas. Yeah, and, and, and this continuously, it's going um, uh, like this. So it's really important for us as invent investors to figure out in what, on what sectors are we most bullish and build your positions accordingly, but stay diversified because it might just help you out in, uh, in, in difficult times. Exactly well we'll see where this goes the winter is coming up in europe um gas prices um you know might create an issue to households so inflation will come back it will be also be interesting to see what the ecb will do I, and by the way i i even read that france um, is going to uh, cap the prices of gas they're not going to allow price increases so also governments are stepping in at the moment here yeah but they have an election coming up in france as well i mean so if people are freezing to death in <laughs> in their houses, I mean that's that's probably not going to do well for your, for any chances of Macron being uh, reelected. I would imagine. So so they, he has an interest in, in in making sure things don't go crazy down there. Well, you know, from the other side, he gets them outside to go for a walk to the voting machine. <laughs> <laughs> Always look on the bright side here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we just had Germany, Germany, uh, new elections. I mean, yeah. yeah. Good. Hey, so that's all about energy. It will be really interesting to see this in the upcoming weeks. I think this story is definitely not done yet. And we'll see some crazy stuff. That's my expectation here. I would imagine so. So, so having said that, let's go a bit to the main topic of this week and have a conversation about real estate investment uh, trust. And maybe as a recap, because we had you on a, on the show earlier a little bit, can you for 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 newer investors that are following our podcast, can you explain maybe in few words what a, what is a real estate investment trust? Yeah. So the a real estate investment trust is a is a is a kind of a, a company form that. Uh, or type of company uh, that originated in the, in the United States has and then since been you know adapted uh, across the across the world. Essentially, the the point of it is that that the real estate investment trust doesn't pay corporate taxes, but but with that comes the responsibility that they have to pay out a very large percentage of what they earn through dividends. And that is why it is uh, very attractive to dividend investors or dividend growth investors um, because of that reason. They, you, you can be pretty sure that you're going to get a, a, a good dividend from those companies. 
<clears throat> having said that, that is also where the taxation then happens. And so the government has a, an interest in having these companies. Yeah. And that's, I guess, also why it's called a trust, right? Exactly, exactly. for that reason. Exactly. And and how do the American uh, real estate investment trusts differ from Europe? Because I think in Europe, we often don't even call them an investment trust, right? Yeah, we have, uh, to some degree, uh, adapted the, the form of, of the, the real estate investment trust. But as always, um, Europe is not unified in how we, we, we do business. So there are differences from Britain to Germany. Uh, and not, not all countries have real estate investment trusts in Europe. But we are, we always want each and every country want to 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 meddle a little with with the, the rules and regulations. So the overall framework is still somewhat the same. But there are local regulations to how much uh, capital they they must hold and how much of their income or earnings must come from real estate related. Uh, activities and there are some rules in germany about uh having if if you have like the the maintenance of the building or the the managing part of the building how that you have to restructure that in a different company and so there's a lot of different rules and regulations and that's why if you are a european investor make sure you you you, you know what rules uh govern each and every country that you want to to buy in instead of just thinking oh it's all the same as as it is in in the us because it's, yeah. it's not and there can be also a couple of some accounting differences that that are that are different from 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 each and every country so just something yeah. to be aware of no and i i from a european union point of view i will never think we will see any uh, consolidation there in the regulate in the regulation because if we can't even agree on the size and the and just the the I said the width of a cucumber, exactly. then uh, and that's one of the more simpler things than a real estate investment trust concept. Exactly. So and then uh, there was a question actually from one of our followers uh, from Chago and he asked like more around how do we evaluate a real estate investment trust and he started to ask about the price to earnings metrics and how why do they typically look different between us and eu um you know there's something specific about this right could you elaborate a little bit more on yeah that? um i i actually spoke to tiago slightly just to make him clarify which sectors he was looking at and he mentioned like for instance uh, a company that's been mentioned on dividend talk a lot of times uh the german vonovia and he then compared it to uh, an American company called Essex Property Trust, because they are essentially, they do the same kind of thing. Uh, Vonovia has a lot of apartments uh, in, in, in Germany. Essex Property Trust has a lot of apartments in the, uh, in the, in the Western part of, of, of the US. And so what I would say, uh, and I'm not a fan of using the PE metric, because it distorts the reality of, of the earnings. Um, so for instance, Vonovia trades at a PE of seven, which is of course very low. 
And if you look at the Essex Property Trust, you get a trailing PE of 51. So that, that's, of course, there's a, a big difference. But if you use the metric you would normally use, which is uh, the price uh, against the, uh, the fund from operations, you get a more normal 25 metric. So, so that is, that's one thing. But what I would say is that Vonovia has a lot of political risk. There's been a lot of talk in Germany with regards to the election of a referendum where essentially they wanted a part of the, the left wanted to uh, essentially expropriate. Uh, that is the, the government taking over all of the, the apartments Vonovia own, um, which is, of course, a massive political risk. Uh, I don't personally think that there's any serious chance of that ever actually happening and be ratified legally. I don't believe that that would essentially end any and all investments in Germany. No one would, if the if the government can just come on in and take, then then I don't think that, that I don't think that would ever happen. Uh, but of course, the price is reflects the risk as always. And if I was to extend that into most other European REITs, then you would have uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies in in England. And with all the Brexit still, we don't know where all this Brexit stuff is going to land. Um, so, so their, their uh, valuations have been compressed, a lot of them, because no one knows what's going to happen with uh, things are not going great, let's say it like that, in, in the UK at the moment. So, so yeah, that, they... is, that is one of the reasons. Yeah, and in the UK they don't have immigrants anymore, like people from Poland exactly. that would actually rent the places yeah. there. So <laughs> they're a bit screwed up uh, there, I would say. Yeah, and that's really interesting, right? Because Fonovia is really um, one of the darlings in the dividend investment community from the yeah. European uh, dividend investor, com and and you can see it also in the in in the pricing, right? It was going down lately as well during due to the political risk. But that's also one of the reasons why I like Castellum uh, actually must much more. It's a different kind of a real estate uh, company. Um, but I have a feeling that they're more by being in Scandinavian countries, specific, specifically Sweden, it's, it feels all a bit more stable. And the German risk here is really present. And the politics are, are really intensive at the moment, election time. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the left, nothing is right. And on the right, is usually nothing left, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> so that I think that sums up Fanovia uh, pretty much here. But I believe you, you're also, um, you also know about some other European rights, right? Right. And I believe before the show, you mentioned one from Belgium also. Uh, to yeah, uh, I think it was Rafa who, who, uh, who asked if I would, if there was any European REITs that I would, I would kind of recommend having a look at. And of course, I think that Vonovia is dirt cheap at the moment. I think that if you, I think that you might be well served by having a, a little of that. Um, but I found a Belgian um, company called Warehouses Depau. The ticker is WDP, which is uh, listed in Belgium. And they do uh, logistic properties in, in Belgium, Holland, uh, Luxembourg. They have a lot in, um, 
in the Eastern Europe, uh, primarily in, in Romania. Um, so they are they are very well uh, situated for uh, the whole. What what we have a lot of in 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 the U.S. is these logistic uh, reads that are we have a lot of uh, shopping online and groceries being delivered and Amazon distribution centers and exactly. warehouses. Yeah, and and this is still in relatively new in in and I'd say relatively new. I know it's not it didn't start yesterday, but it's not being built out to the same degree in Europe. And I think it's it's coming. There's a lot of, uh, surprisingly enough, a lot of German uh, companies like Deliver Hero and, and, and stuff like that, that are doing a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. So I think that's going to be a sector that's going to be very interesting to follow in, in Europe as well. Some of the big American companies uh, have done, have been on fire for the last couple of years. So I, th I think it might be a good time to get into uh, logistic distribution centers here in, in Europe as well. Yeah, and there seems to also be a market consolidation at the moment exactly. uh, between some of those de delivery companies. Yeah, nice one. Never heard of it. Um, usually when I hear about Belgium or Dutch real estate companies, those are commercial real estate, shopping malls and such, like Euro commercial properties. I, I tend to stay away from it. They're... Dividends are really juicy, but they're just not predictable um, exactly. here. And then, um, you know, we also got quite some questions around uh, the, the Real Estate Investment Trust Innovative Industrial Properties, IIPR. Is this the one around uh, the cannabis and the weed? Exactly, exactly. Oh, nice. So the, the, the Dutch company. <laughs> the Snoop Dogg uh, Investment uh, Trust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I think the... The thing that most people uh, misunderstand about this is that people think it's just a it's just a, a place where you grow weed, right? Um, and that's that's not it at all. The thing and you can do that in every house, right? Exactly. That, yeah. That's just a greenhouse. You don't need yeah. anything special for 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 that. Um, but the thing is that they don't produce uh, marijuana for recreational use. They only grow and handle uh, marijuana for medicinal use, and that requires some some uh, some standards. It's a, essentially the same kind of production facility standards that you would have if you were producing cancer drugs or whatever type of, mm -hmm. of uh, me, yeah. medis medicinal product, and that is that's the whole ball game right there for them that's that's the that's the big thing because if it was just having a greenhouse then everyone with a big field could essentially just construct a greenhouse and be in business but that's not it at all it's very specific uh requirements very expensive uh requirements that you have to uh comply yeah. with um and so that is why they have some competition but it's uh, but it's not a lot. So we can talk about moat, and then is there a moat? Yeah, there is because it's it's going to be expensive to to, but it's not impossible. I mean, if if you have the capital, you can you can build mm -hmm. these facilities. But yeah. it's not just it's not that simple. 
So yes. that is essentially the, uh, the 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 whole the whole thing that that keeps uh, industrial in, innovative industrial uh, properties relevant is the fact that they are the ones that they, they were the first movers here. So they have the production facilities for all these companies that need to buy medicinal uh, or have it handled in a specific way. That's, uh, so that's that's why they are interesting. They're expensive, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah. That's probably the main thing that uh, Wolf of Harcourt Street and Dividend Wave and Rafa wanted to hear. Is it expensive or not? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's become my darling on, on uh, yeah, because it's been on fire. Uh, there, are, yeah. there are a few others that will become very interesting in that area that are smaller and uh, yeah. they, are, they are actually on the exchange, but but not uh, yet dividend paying. You still need yeah. to make money before you can pay a dividend, even as yeah, a, exactly. a investment trust. <laughs> so. yeah. A good one. So, and then, then there was also a, a question from Centrino about Omega Healthcare investors. And maybe I can talk a little bit about that because I've got it for five years in my portfolio now. And, uh, you know, it dropped till 30 euro, even when a little bit below 30 euro into the 29s. And the question is typically, or oh, is now the time to buy? So I actually did a video about it not too long ago uh, ago about uh, real estate investment or high yielding companies, let's say. And I find Omega Healthcare starting to trade at its fair value right now. So my, my fair value is around the 29 something. So it's not cheap. It's just at a fair price. And then if you look at the market we are in, I mean, if you want to... and create an entry position maybe now's the time but it wouldn't be for me a, a position right now to start building building up really rapidly it, it why is the stock down um the COVID 19 impact is, is starting to really um uh hit the company now right in the sense that they have almost nine percent of uh, non-paid uh, um yeah. i said contracts at the moment which is actually not an issue because if you follow the company they're extremely transparent about what's happening the political risk is with omega healthcare is continuously on there and that's why it pays an eight percent dividend or something like that seven percent because of the political risk because with medicare medic aid uh trump wanted to kill it he failed with killing obamacare biden will keep it but he is also looking uh, again at certain elements because generally uh, healthcare in america is too expensive and Omega Healthcare benefits a lot from being expensive because what they effectively do is uh, if a person has only a few weeks to, uh, left to live, you go to Omega Healthcare, they take half of your inheritance in fees uh, for, for keep maintaining your bed. You'll die quite quickly, so they have a high turnover as well. It's a perfect business model because people typically or families are in a weak position right then. They will pay up to 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 for these kinds of things. That's yeah. what the business model is. Politicians don't like it. They 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 think this stuff is too expensive. Uh, Omega Healthcare is not the one charging them, but the, the the renters are charging this. They provide excellent properties, good locations, and you know I've accepted this risk. I got a high yield in return for it for over the last four or five years, and it's one of my best uh dividend payers in my portfolio um, um so this long term 
I think it's a pretty good deal. Short term, there are definitely some risks here that you need to yeah. feel comfortable with. A dividend cut could happen. It might go from 7% to 5%, but this is not something that goes to zero overnight unless there is fraud. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I completely agree. If you want, uh, if you want to build a long-term position, you're not in a hurry, in my opinion. You can, uh, you can wait there because, like you said, there are some risks, but the, it won't go to zero. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So uh, before we close out this topic, then about real estate investment trust, and because we still have quite some questions as well. Just out of curiosity, which which real estate investment trust are you really bullish on now? right now would you like to share that with the audience actually i quite like a company that was uh in your uh your portfolio review the other day uh last time i uh i like uh, the company called vici quite a lot we um vici is a it's essentially kind of the, the same business model as people will know from uh, realty income, it's called a triple net lease, which means that you own a building, you find someone that will lease the building, they will pay you to lease it, but they will also pay uh, the costs of maintaining the building and taxes, insurance and, and whatever. So you essentially hand them the keys and they will pay you for that and they will pay everything else. So that is... Uh, the difference between them and uh, realty income is the their customers. The customers are the ones that runs the casinos. All of them basically in Las Vegas. They own most of Las Vegas. All the the big uh, the really big uh, casinos on the on the Las Vegas Strip, uh, including the big the second largest uh, casino property or hotel in the world. So. And it's been trading sideways uh, for essentially the last six months. And it has, of course, to do with the fact that there are no tourists in Las Vegas. So uh, because you can't travel to the, to the United States at the moment if from Europe, you can't from Asia. Um, so it's, it's although Las Vegas opened, it's only Americans and uh, so so and there there's whole issues still with the COVID nineteen and and uh, and whatnot. So, but I think that long term that is very much a property company that I would love to to own. I'm uh, I really like the company. Super. Uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm very bullish on them. Well, I'm, and we know that. Uh sex drugs and gambling will always be popular exactly. and always people want to pay up for it so yeah. from that point of view uh, Las Vegas. will never die i think <laughs> exactly exactly and this is maybe also good uh, that you mentioned that because uh, we, we we reviewed the portfolio from mark van essen uh, last week and yeah. emf and i were of course talking a little bit like mm, maybe you should uh, reconsider some of that and then you reach out to us on Twitter so like, hey, like, hey guys you actually have it quite a bit wrong Mark has uh, you know uh, yeah. he has actually quite an interesting portfolio so you challenged us yeah. a little bit and I think it's really good that you you give that voice and I believe you also had some other thoughts about um, uh, how you said about star ticker star SDAR and such 
Yeah. So maybe you could give your voice as well to put yeah. a bit in balance to what EMF and I said. Yeah. So the the star ticker, uh, the company called iStar, they um, they have appreciated quite a lot, uh, about one hundred twenty five percent the past year, and and then automatically it looks as if it it must be overvalued, but the thing is what star actually owns and they own a, another well they own two-thirds of another company that's called safe uh it's called safe hold the ticker is safe um and and uh they have a very revolutionary new concept that has been very popular with uh with the real estate community so that's so in in the US, so this company has has skyrocketed, and so Safe is currently worth four point two billion US dollars. And remember, iStar owns two thirds of that equity, so that's a prop. That's around two point eight billion that their part of Safe is worth, and iStar is only uh has a market cap of around 1.8 billion so there is so they own something worth 2.8 billion but the company itself is only valued at 1.8 so there is a massive disconnect there yeah they should be trading much higher and so i think that uh, at, at some point the market is going to to uh to realize that and 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 that then star will, will will be valued at a at a more reasonable price. I think it could easily double from here. So Thanks. I think that, that Mark has, depending on when he got it, I think Mark has uh, he he's got a he, he's got a pretty good thing going here. If he bought it a year ago, he's he's he should be happy. <laughs> but if you look at the, of course, if you look at at the the dividend currently, then then it's not great. But it it, mm -hmm. it all depends on where you got it. So yeah. Yeah, so well, thanks for that. Uh, Mark, if you're listening, I believe uh, you heard it now from Mr. Uh, Reed himself. I think uh, better listen to him than to us. And uh, I hope this helps you also still in your evaluation for your portfolio. But having said that, we actually have the next person also with their portfolio um, here. And let's have a look at, into that because it's actually quite popular. People reach out to us to, to review their portfolios. In this case, it's Casper uh, Heung. I'm not sure if I pronounce it well. Casper, let us know if not. Um, and he has a quite interesting portfolio that he shared with us. And I will go a little bit through the tickers. Uh, the first ticker is DEC. It's an energy company uh, from the UK. The second, uh, and by the way, he has a position of almost 25% of his whole portfolio in this. We'll explain a little bit more uh, there because he put a narrative around it. His second position is Johnson & Johnson with 8.4%, then real, Realty Income with 8.1%, then Stag, um, the, the industrial uh, real estate company with 7.1%, and Unilever with 6.9%. Now, you might first think like, okay, uh, DEC with 25% almost, that's a hell of a lot of uh, a position, but he has been quite uh, clear about that. He bought it on the dip in 2020, and we all know that it grew almost like 60-70%. Great dividends on top of that. And um, yeah, it was really just a, a value play, uh, play for him, effectively. 
And I think he's happy with his position. And based on also the gas prices going up, it really serves as a hedge for his portfolio. So that's how he looks at it. And yeah, I wanted to ask, what are your thoughts um, when, you, when you see this for portfolio? Yeah, without the context, I would have been worried about the size of his top position there. But but he explained it quite well, actually. He he got in at a very great at a great time. They pay a sweet dividend. Um, that he he also says he uses the dividend to enlarge other positions. So normally, I, if I would say that probably having a quarter of your portfolio in 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 one position, it might be a little. A little much um but if i was him i i probably at this point like you we already discussed gas prices going through the roof a gas company i mean it's hard to imagine that that it won't be a great investment for him i would ha hang on to that and then like i said use the dividends i like yeah. uh, the rest of his portfolio unilever and johnson and johnson i mean two top quality companies Realty Income is a great company. And then he's got Stack, who is uh, this uh, industrial uh, logistics company, uh, a little specialized. They only they do one tenant kind of solutions. Uh, yeah. which is, uh, uh, so it's it's like a niche in, in uh, I'm a, but it's very popular because of their, the way they pay the dividends. So the monthly one. Exactly. Yeah. So, so to me, it looks like he has a there is there's a, a liquidity thing going here for him. He's got two monthly pairs, and then he's got uh, the the gas company, and then the two stable. Yeah, companies. yeah, exactly. So, so, and if I'm correct, this uh, energy company is almost paying ten percent dividend, right? Still today after yeah. the run up. So this is just like massive massive dependency so this is also while i like his portfolio as such because he also shared the rest of the portfolio where he has some healthcare companies in there like upfi and and bristol myers also relax which is a uh, together with Walters kluwer really uh, the two market leaders in the information services industry yes rio tinto in there al delhaza so he has a really nice diversified portfolio with really good uh, trustworthy dividend payers let's say exactly. so the only thing I, I would suggest now is like if this is still if you're still in the early days of accumulation, start to um, lower the exposure to, to DEC. And uh, so it's a diversified energy uh, um, uh, company. Yeah. Lower it not by selling, but just by not buying more and redistribute the dividends to buy more of the rest. And over time, it will be probably come like like the rest like four or five percent exactly. that would be my uh, recommendation here other than this it sounds quite quite good also knowing that the other companies in the portfolio are not trailing so much behind in the in the percentages of the portfolio uh, from the others so yeah um so Casper, i think you've got a really good portfolio Price yourself lucky with uh, diversified uh, energy as your your main holding. It was a, I mean, an excellent play, I would say, with all what's happening now. So well done. Okay, having said that, um, let's go to the final part of the show, the listeners' questions. We'll have to go a little bit quicker through it, um, uh, dividend Dane. 
Yeah. So let's get started. Um, we have the first question actually from Mark van Essen, uh, who we reviewed his portfolio last um, week. And he asks if we know anything about HRL, which he's looking in into at the moment. And what do we think about the company um, and the stock? And then secondly, what do we think about the concern of inflation putting pressure on margins in this sector? Does it look like a tap? Uh, is it a temporary thing or what's your take i well uh i think uh well i i believe it's hormel that they do canned uh, foods of all sorts in uh i don't know if i don't even know if they're in europe but i know they're in, in the states mm -hmm. i i think that uh food prices like everything has gone up I don't mm -hmm. think that 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 Hormel can evade inflation. <laughs> that would that would uh, that would surprise me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really simple. Look, Hormel, um, and I think that's also why he's asking it. It, it went. It almost dropped twenty percent in the uh, since August. Let's say. So that's why it probably pops up on people's radars, but it still has a PE of twenty six, a dividend yield of two point four for a food packaging company let's say uh, a consumer staple with with minimum growth um i find that uh, how is it i find it just not attractive it would need to for me it would need to probably trade around uh, the low 30s to become interested in such a company so so mark i would just uh, actually look 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 maybe more in um, how is it uh, with ticker symbol gis I forgot the name quickly of the company. General Mills. Yeah, General Mills. It's funny. I know the ticker better than the company name. <laughs> because they bought, uh, they went also a bit into pet food. Maybe there are some more growth profile behind that company. Okay, so the next question is from Martin Hook. Um, I know it's a particular regarding to tweet for me because I ask, where do I put my war chest? Because I, I put a, a tweet out that I still have a war chest. And he asked me, is it on the bank or in the S&P 500 ETF? Um, a big crash only happens once in eight years, and the ETF provides a historical 7% historical annual uh, raise. So it's really simple. I have it on the bank, and it's uh, stupid. And I just need to start spending it in the stock market. I realize this, but uh, it's still quite a significant amount, which I can't just get rid of it in a month. I mean, technically I could, but I won't. I, I don't want to. So I'm just investing a little bit more every month by pulling some money for it, but it will probably still take me a year. Um, so in the, at the same time, I'm just hoping for a market crash so that I can uh, use it more. But I learned that having a war chest doesn't really matter that much uh, i'm losing out on the accumulation of dividends and uh, the compounding effect effective effectively here and then inflation is eating it up so that's my learning i want to get rid of it and it's purely on the bank because if i would put it in an etf i would risk losing it and that's not why it's a war chest no okay so um, then the next question is from Depper Dividends, and he is asking, what do you say to those who claim investing in real estate investment trust are substantially inferior to outright investing in real estate? Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that before. Um, there are several, to me, there are a lot of differences. 
Um, first of all, uh, buying physical real estate is, uh, is expensive. Uh, it requires a lot of uh, capital. If you, uh, that you don't need to buy real estate investment trusts or other real estate companies, you can diversify uh, with real estate investment trusts. You can tap into different secular growth segments, like you can buy some data centers, you can buy some logistic companies or this uh, wheat uh, cultivating <laughs> uh, companies or and, and, and all other sorts, you can diversify geographically. Um, they're not, then there are things like once you own uh, a property, uh, do you know how to run it? Do, or do you need to get someone to run it for you? Can you do, can you fix it yourself? Or do you need to, I mean, you don't have to worry about it. So there can be some, some, some good reasons to buy real estate, of course. Uh, some might even be, uh, they might, depending on where you live and what type, there might even be some, some tax uh, advantages and, and, and stuff, but I, for the, unless you have a couple of hundred thousand euros that you can just buy whatever, then uh, I think you'd be much, it would be much smarter to, to have a little as an investment. It's another thing, it's, it's where you live, but if it's an investment, you can buy a lot of stocks for, for the price of an apartment building. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, super. So then the next question is actually also for you, for you from Phil, and he's asking, how does Mr. Real Estate Investment Trust see REITs that use their property buildings for a service or product on their own? Should we see and evaluate them as a real estate investment trust or a traditional company? And he's referring, for instance, to Iron Mountain, uh, with the data management storage or maybe Weyerhauser with Timberland, but I would even say add to it McDonald's. Yeah. 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 That, uh, that's always, <laughs> McDonald's is always the, <laughs> where people are surprised when they, when they look into <laughs> yeah. to, to their, the books. Um, I would, I would say like this, that uh, li like any other company, it doesn't really, you have to look at the, the, the basics of it. Like a, a company like Weyerhaeuser, for instance, they own a lot of land where people plant trees. Some of them, they plant themselves. Some they just lease out to others. Uh, but a lot of their, they, it's a very cyclical company. It's it's a commodity. So, so uh, the price of timber goes up, it goes down, and depending on, on all sorts of things. Um, so... I would say it depends. Some you need to to look at as a real estate investment trust. Uh, some you could you could look at as as a as a as a regular company. Now I just a quick comment on Iron Mountain because I'm not quite sure that people really know what it is that they do. They still have people think that it's a data storage. Uh, company and th that is what they are trying to become but they're not there yet still uh the data center part is still only 12 percent of their revenue so it's a small part they still have 73 percent of their revenue from storing of physical uh records 
So that is essentially paper that they are trying to, uh, you know, it's a it's a deed from from here or or will or public records of all sorts. Uh, uh, people in Europe will, depending on where they're from, will 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 know that a lot of uh, countries in in Europe are not still one hundred percent digital. Um, yeah. So so there there are mountains of papers stored everywhere, and and that is primarily done by Iron Mountain. So just a, a quick note on that: so people should know what they're buying. They're not buying a data storage center. Super. Which leads us to the last question, actually, uh, for today. And the question is from uh, Gonzalo Josepinto. And he asks us about our thoughts of Altria and British American tobacco. Um, I can actually answer this one. Yeah. Look, why are the prices so down this week? Is because Reynolds won, won a patent case. Uh, which I think uh, puts Altria in a difficult situation because I believe they have to stop the sales of their IQS uh, uh, tobacco heating product. You know, and, and this is really, and specifically Altria, I mean, they're really screwed, right? They invested, what was it, 9 billion in jewels? Yeah. Uh, that was like a cat, that cat in a box, like Schrodinger's cat. Exactly. Now, now, now IQS, they're, they're really screwed, right? Yeah. And it also, of course, puts an issue on British American tobacco uh, because when it, when there is a patent kind of thing hitting the industry, it scares the hell out of everyone. Uh, at the same time, I believe British American tobacco also has some claims claims lying at uh, Philip Morris and such, uh, Altria. So it's really a patent war going on at the moment with all the new yeah. uh, combustible uh, or non-combustible cigarettes. Honestly, I think either they will settle it quite quickly um, or not, right? In that case, I see more trouble for Altria being in the United States than for British American tobacco uh, being British, uh, let's say. Um, so it's just, again, it's a risk now. Now that you have this information, you can do something with it. Does the yield justify the risk or not? Um, again, the company will not go bankrupt anytime soon. Uh, it might compress the earnings going forward a bit or the cash flow. But come on, if you look at British American Tobacco as an example and the cash flow that they have, I'm totally not concerned about them as an example. So those are my thoughts about uh, the two of them. And uh, it's very interesting to see what's happening. And I know I met some folks from Philip Morris the other day at a conference. And you know that we can't that they don't like it anymore if, if we tell them that they are from the smoky company they don't like it because what they say is we we produce inhaling products yeah because they are trying to rebrand them also more into the medical care uh of the pharma space really interesting uh, how they think about it i also believe and you see it in the strategies they're they're really going for it i think also they have an asset there but they still have some reputation to do, I think, because they're still selling these inhaling products, let's yes. say, that are quite addictive. Exactly. I, I think if if I was part of a, a tobacco company and I wanted to make inhaling products that were medicinal, I think I would spin that off into another company. Yeah, probably the as well. The whole yeah. branding thing yeah. is going to be 
very, very difficult. I would imagine. Exactly. And I, I don't call... know anything about the technology or, yeah. or anything, but and if they can do something medicinal, um, yeah. why not? But I think Super. the image part is going to be a, an issue for them. Yeah. Good. Hey, it brings us to the end of the show, uh, Mr. Uh, Reed. Um, no stock picks this week. I mean, my stock pick is Alibaba. There are some others more interesting, like like Allianz and such. Um, Alibaba is down again today. It's now $143. So I'm looking again on uh, buying a few more shares. Maybe next week. Let's see where it goes. Um, but I, I really would love to thank you for today. I mean, we don't... EMF and I don't talk so much about real investment uh, trust because it's not necessarily our circle of competence. Of course, we know few of the more popular ones, but your 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 knowledge is really uh, second to none uh, compared to us. So, thanks so much for joining again. It was my pleasure. Always a uh, always fun. Super. Hey, if you uh, stayed so long with us in the podcast, thank you so much. Um, uh, it's really great having you guys. And yeah, enjoy the weekend and see you next week again.